The Trader Cobb Crypto Show, talking business in blockchain. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Trader Cobb Crypto Show. Today's guest is somebody who has been an entrepreneur, somebody who studied very hard, worked in the banking sector as well. Aerospace is what he studied. A huge amount of interesting content is going to come from this fellow. It's Pierce Ridyard of Radix. He's the CEO of Radix. I'm absolutely stoked to have you on the show. Thank you so much for your time. Hey, Greg. Thank you very much for having me on. Right. So let's cut straight to the chase. Before we go into what you're doing and what you're up to, let's go through what has brought you to this place. What have you done in the past and uh, what has brought you to decide that you want to work within the blockchain space? Yeah, the so much like most people who sort of came into crypto sort of earlier, um, it's sort of a strange journey into into the space where I, I sort of did a few other things before. I did a little bit of investment banking. I worked a little bit in law, um, and then I, uh, I I started a consumer electronics company that was building storage devices for computers. Went out to China, set up assembly lines, manufacturing, and sort of built that up into a company um, that sort of uh, sold around the world. And and one of my friends came to me one day and said, hey, Piers, um, there's this new cryptocurrency called Ethereum that uh, is about to go live. Um, would you like to start mining it with me? And I was like, okay, uh, what's a cryptocurrency and what is mining? Uh, and it was for, sort of from that from that early base of uh, trying to work out how um, you would you take computers and then and then build them so that they can effectively mine a, a cryptocurrency and jumping into the, like the underlying hashing algorithms and all that sort of fun technical stuff um, that ended up me starting me down the journey of really getting involved in the crypto community in the first place and then starting really to sort of embrace the blue sky thinking and these new business models and new ways of doing things that could be that could be created and and, and eventually you know becoming CEO of, of Radix DLT one of the most exciting technologies in the space in my opinion. Yeah, well, look, I mean, just to sort of hash back a, a step, of course, you said you worked at JP on their bond desk. Um, you're obviously well-educated. You've learned Mandarin, which is quite a, uh, a difficult language to learn. So congratulations for that. <laughs> um, but you also started a business called Nifty, which was, I'm, I'm going to make a guess here, a tech startup that um, effectively you, you were helping create more available memory on the macbook is that sort of yeah that was that was an that was that was actually a really interesting time so i was uh, studying law um and i was a bit bored and i uh, i went and oh, bought- because, because law is so easy right huh yeah law is just a really <laughs> jesus uh and so i went and um uh, I mean, anyone who's done law in England, the GDL, the Graduate Diploma of Law, is really interesting. Like, it's like doing your, it's doing like doing your masters in law or your undergrad in law. That's really interesting. But the LPC, the Legal Practitioner Certificate, which is telling you how to practice law, and it's like, how do you write a memorandum? How do you like? argue to uh, uh argue to the court for that you should have more time it's so dull honestly it's so dull anyway um, okay you, you've come you've, you're trying to you've come back to the common man well, well done <laughs> <laughs> um so i uh, i i um I, I bought a macbook air and uh it only had 128 gigabytes of storage and I was a poor student, and so I went back to Apple when I'd run out of space, and I was like, hey, can I just get some more storage in this? And they're like, no, 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 we don't do that. 
we don't upgrade the computer. You have to buy a new computer. Um, and so I was like, that's, that's crap. So I uh, work, tried to work out a way of building more storage in it. And I worked out this way that like actually the SD card slot in the MacBook, I never used it. So if I just created like a little device that sat in the SD card slot, but was shorter than a normal SD card and was finished in the same aluminium that the MacBook was made out of, I could like plug it into the side and it would uh, it would increase the storage. And this is such a simple idea, uh, literally um, a, a, a very simple piece of media, very simple piece of aluminium, very simple piece of plastic. But it really caught the uh, imagination of the Kickstarter movement back ah, in yes. 2012. So we, I put it on Kickstarter, like had a tar- tiny target, and we ended up in in the space of 28 days getting uh, $400,000 of pre-orders um, with uh, Steve Wozniak buying five of them and, uh, uh, and you know, suddenly needing to ship 15,000 products <laughs> to wow. uh, 11,000 customers around the world. And that was the, that was the start of, that was the, that was the seed of Nifty that sort of grew from that. Wow. Well, that's a very, I mean, the, the thing is, you said it's a very simple idea. Generally, the most simple ideas are the ones that are often the best, you know, something that, you think, well, why didn't I think of that? Could often be the businesses that do the best. Now you've moved away from Nifty, whether you sold it, I'm not sure what the story is. It doesn't really matter. And you've now you found Ethereum, right? In 2015, you, you suggested that you found it then, and you started the mining side of it. So, yeah. what brought you to be within this project that is Radix? Because, from my understanding, it's taken a very, very long time for Radix to come to where it is today. You want to tell us a little bit, little bit about the project and how you became a part of it or how you became a CEO? Sure. So Radix started in 2012 and it was started by uh, a guy called Dan Hughes, who's still the founder and CTO of the company. Um, and it came out of the Bitcoin uh, movement where Dan, you know, had, had recently exited his, uh, you know, third software company and, and had a bit of time and money. And, and someone was like, hey, get some Bitcoin. He was like, okay, cool. So he went and bought a load of Bitcoin and then got involved in the community. And, and he was, and he was like intoxicated by the possibility, like the community was so excited about this idea of a non, non-sovereign global currency and how, how Bitcoin could change the world and like how, how much impact it could have. And then Dan being like a, a like a fundamental technologist, someone who likes to take things apart, he he forked the Bitcoin source code just to have a play around with it and started realizing that actually there was a big gap between what the community wanted as a vision and what was actually possible with the technology. And so he he sort of like identified a few problems with 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 Bitcoin and came back to the community and said, Hey guys, I found all these things, like maybe this is something that we should work together with and like and, and try and solve. And he got this massive response back which is like how dare you step into the church of bitcoin and spit on the floor like how dare you suggest that this technology isn't the best technology that ever existed um and so that that sort of meant that he decided well i'm gonna see if i can build something better and that that build something better was actually how do you build something that can fundamentally scale to every single person, every single device in the world, because if you can't do something that's scalable, then you don't have something that can actually have that global ambition of, of, of having that global impact. You're going to have something that's constantly going to be tripped up by its own technology. And that journey of going from, I think I can build a better uh, Bitcoin or a better a better version of the technology to actually having something that could, could do that 
provably um, has taken six years, um, which is a lot longer than he thought it was going to take. <laughs> yes. Well, t- typically when you come up with a good idea and uh, you want to execute it flawlessly, it does take long. We, we're going through the process within our business and certain things as well. Certain things you think, well, we can just get this done. Well, actually you find out that it takes a damn sight longer, especially when you're a perfectionist and you want to get it done right. Now, my question is this. That's six years. That's, that's a long, long time. Now, I'm going to make the assumption that your fellow who's been working on this program for six years was already in the space very early and therefore was probably able to continue to work on it, maybe full time, because he's probably invested earlier on. I'm hopeful of that. Despite that, regardless of that, to be honest, regardless of that, how is Radix going to compete with something like Bitcoin. Like, I mean, I, the technology might be better. It, it might be more scalable. It might be the most wonderful thing in the world, but it's really difficult to beat the first mover advantage in any industry. Look at Uber. It's not the best, but it's got the biggest market share. How are you going to beat it? How are you going to get yeah, that? that? That's really interesting. That's a really interesting statement. And like, I think that the dot-com era uh, has shown us sort of that that's not true at all. Like um, Facebook beat MySpace, uh, Google beat AOL and uh, and AltaVista. Like the, 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 there, there is, when, when you have new technologies, um, there's often this sort of period where people go, oh, I've got the seed of an idea. And then they start building that seed of an idea forwards and it goes bigger and bigger and bigger. And then at some point you actually need to fundamentally change everything about it you have to change the architecture you can keep the concept but you can't continue down that path because the technology was never envisaged to be able to be that scalable or to be able to work at that kind of volume so that that's a great example of something like myspace which started with you know really needing to know a little bit of html and css to be able to use the website to facebook which is anyone could use it and then changing for, for myspace to change from that to something that actually could be used by anyone was was too difficult a shift. It was too fundamental a shift that they had to go through that meant that they weren't able to do it. And you've got the same thing with Bitcoin. You've got the same thing fundamentally with anything that's based on blockchain. Blockchain itself is not a scalable architecture. And so there's lots of people who are doing very clever things to try and like sticking plaster scalability into blockchain. But Actually, what we did is we said, look, let's just ignore, let's just, let's just scrap this as a data architecture. Let's scrap this as the fundamental foundation on which we're building this. Let's keep the idea of being able to build something globally scalable that everyone can rely on that is fundamentally decentralized. But let's look at other ways of doing that. And that's, that's fundamentally why it's going to be possible for someone like Radix to come along because Bitcoin blockchain is always going to be constrained fundamentally by its technology. Oh, look, I, I understand that. And look, your, your example of uh, MySpace, Facebook, that sort of thing, I, I totally get that. I, I do, however, think that's a bit of a difference. Um, and I'm going to ask you the question because I want you to bring your answers. Of course, that's what I'm here to do. I'm here to ask the questions. You're here to make the answers, to convince us otherwise, to do what you do, blah, blah, blah. Now, mm. Bitcoin's been around for what? Uh, you guys sort of launched la- late last year, was it, or early this year? So we, we launched uh, middle, of, middle of this year our test net. It's not even mainnet, so it's not even public yet. 
Okay, so your test net's out now. Now, that means that Bitcoin's got a 10-year head start on you. Now, when you look at Facebook and MySpace, Facebook was sort of trundling like the, the distance between wasn't so extreme. Now, I want to see you have success. It's fine. I mean, I, I think that that's a wonderful thing that you're trying to achieve, but it's also a difficult thing you're trying to achieve. I, I mean, how like, – the thing is, is you also got the Bitcoin maximalist. It's, Bitcoin is the first thing that people buy. How, I, what is your plan to – to really shift people away from the beast that is Bitcoin, whether it's rightly or wrongly, right? Whether whether it's right or wrong, the technology being better doesn't necessarily mean that people will adopt it as as openly as what they have done with Bitcoin because you've got a limited number of tokens, which I'm sure you have as well with Bitcoin, a limited number of tokens. You've got a lot that are lost. The, the, the story of Bitcoin, there's a story behind it, and it's a fantastic story. It's an yeah. engaging story. Um, yeah. it's, it's, it's a wonderful story. And it's birthed what we're an industry that we are able to talk about right now. So with all that, I mean, that amazing story, the, the amazing growth and the, the amazing uptake, it's still the number one market cap. How are you going to knock it off its pedestal? Are you talking 20 years? Are you talking five years? Are you, like, what's the duration of time that you're willing to work away to make sure that you win? Yeah. So it, like, I, I have an analogy for this, which is like, is – is Bitcoin a football or is it a piece of art, right? So mm -hmm. what I mean by that is um, a piece of art, I get a piece of art and I put it on my wall and I'm like, this is a beautiful piece of art and it has value. And then if I get another piece of art and I put it on my wall, then the first piece of art doesn't have less value to me or in the market because they're, they, they're separate pieces of art, right? So like holding Bitcoin for its value is fine. And, and if there's a limited supply of it and there's a limited uh, and, there's, and, and, and more and more people want it, then you're going to see an increase in the price of Bitcoin. Now, football, like I can use a football. I want to play with a football. And if someone gives me a better football, I'll probably play with the better football. Or if I have two footballs, then the value of each of those footballs has gone lower for me because I have a choice of them. So what you're looking at there is the utility of something. Now, fundamentally, if we're arguing that Bitcoin's fundamental value is a piece of art, it's, a, it's something that people want to hold and own but don't want to use, then that's a very different argument for what we're putting forward with Radix. What we're saying with Radix is it's fundamentally a platform for use. It is a utility. It's there for people to build their businesses on top of and be successful. It isn't just foreign in itself, right? It isn't just a just a currency, but it's a platform for building on top of so that build it, people can be successful, so that people can bring the ability to build decentralized applications, tokens, and coins to the world to add to their businesses, to add to their success. And if that's what this revolution is about, then, 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 then it's very easy for me to say, look, this is how we're going to beat Bitcoin, because Bitcoin fundamentally can't be as useful as Radix and can't even come close to it. But if we're having an argument about just market cap, just value, and if the market cap is only related to the perception of value of the underlying currency, then yeah, sure, maybe Bitcoin's going to be around for a long time. But that's not what we're going for here. What we're going for here is fundamentally uh, okay. other people successful and building on the platform. Okay, well, that's a that's a that's a good uh, answer from my point of view because I now understand a little bit more. You're not trying to replace Bitcoin; you're trying to provide a platform for others to be a part of. So, therefore, what do you need 
for the outcome or for, for your successful outcome to be achieved? What sort of participants? Is it big business? Is it everybody, individual, small business? Who is your primary market to help you to get to that stage where you don't you don't need to you don't need to beat Bitcoin? But what gives you that uh, foothold in the marketplace where you're a big player? Yeah, that's 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 a that's a really good question, Craig. So um, the there's sort of several answers to that. The first is, you know, like if you built, if you first built um, the internet, who would you sell the internet to? Or you built the first operating system, who would you sell the first operating system to? This, like this, this technology can do so many things, but who should be your first customer? And, you know, I'd, I'd often uh, look at this and say, look, well, actually what you really need are, are those early are those early entrepreneurs who have, have seen that there's, there's something now possible that wasn't possible before. Like a new business model is possible that wasn't possible before. A new service is possible that wasn't possible before. So our focus is very much on the developer entrepreneur, the person who sees this opportunity of what the world could be, of what the what can be created. Now this technology is available and that we really empower and, and, and give those guys as many tools and as much help as possible in building on top of this platform. So it's it's, it's still a fairly niche area to focus on, but it's our belief that the big the big businesses of tomorrow, the big the big the big future companies that are going to grow out of this space right now are relatively small. And they're nimble, and they're people that that have that really get this area. Now we do also we also do have conversations with with a number of big companies. There are the more and more people who have this idea of sort of entrepreneurial spirit and and sort of thinking small even when you're large, which we love, and we 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 have these conversations with sort of some very large companies that have this ability to kind of go look. We're going to greenfield it. We're just going to go across, and we're going to go. Let's start again from scratch, and let's see what we can build. But that's more the exception than the rule. So, so we, we, we really focus on that, that, that sort of community of people who get this, this area and what it's really going to mean for the world. And you're working out of London. Is that right, Piers? Yeah, that's right. Okay. Now, I, I've been fortunate to have traveled recently to Dubai and I've had a few great guests from Dubai working on, in Dubai on making it a smart city and they're using the blockchain for that. I mean, it would yeah. seem very sensible for Radix to sort of explore that. Have you, have you guys actually explored the opportunities that are there in Dubai? Because effectively, Dubai as a whole is basically a giant incubator for entrepreneurs and they've invested heavily into blockchain as well. Yes, uh, and like it's been really interesting to see what the the government has been doing in Dubai with um, their sort of smart government services and how they're looking to move things more and more things onto DLT and blockchain and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Um, it, it's it's uh, it's a, it's an area that we want to uh, have that conversation. I think once we're launched and we've gone past this sort of initial phase of, of really focusing in on MVP products, right? So what is the minimum viable product set that it, that brings the maximum utility to bear in the market? And that's sort of, that's a very, that's a very focused aim. Once you, once you've, once you've launched and the platform is, once the platform is live fully and you can use it, you know, sort of as a public utility, then you can start to look at, well, how does this new world talk to the old world. Yes. How how do you how do you bridge that gap? And that in and itself, as anyone who's worked in sort of consultancy and and sort of large enterprise software management, is an incredibly complex, very convoluted process. So, like the the willingness of a government to work with a technology is amazing. 
the practicalities of making that technology work with the government is actually quite daunting and something that requires a large number of resources and a, and a concert, concerted effort per client, which as a, as a startup, when you only have a small number of resources and a small number of people, you really have to focus on your scalable solutions first, as in what people can just pick up and run with and build amazing things on before you start looking at, well, how can we make this a fundamental piece of infrastructure, like state infrastructure? How can we help people do voting better or pay their bills better or be able to you know get their utilities better all of that is absolutely possible with dlt but on a much longer timeline you know even now with dubai sort of like embracing it you don't we, it's unlikely to see some real utility value from that for at least another 10 years well, one of the things that I can say about Dubai is that they are very, very forward in their thinking and their process. I, I had thought prior that uh, Dubai was built based on oil money. It is not. It is built on just grassroots entrepreneurship. They've done some amazing things in that city. And I, I'm, uh, I'm, I talk about it quite a bit now because I've been so inspired by the, the people there, what they're doing there, how they're growing there. They're forward thinking. They're planning. I'm a trader, so I, I plan everything out with my trading, right? So I love a plan to follow and execute through everything. It just makes life a lot more focused and you stop wasting time. And Dubai has been very, very good at that. One of the things that I spoke to with my, my guest last night was with, with uh, Danish. He was saying that um, this is a use case, how they use it. So in 2020, they want to have all government documentation on the blockchain and they broke it down, he broke it down into some numbers and the numbers were astronomical because a lot of the time people get caught up in the tech and they focus on the tech, not actually what it is there to solve, resolve, and help. Now, what they're doing is they're trying to get all the documents on the blockchain. They worked out that it was something like 25 million hours wasted by transporting paper documents. It's 100 million documents per year. Now, that cost to the, to the society was a billion dollars per year, basically building the Burj Khalifa once every year. Put that on the blockchain, save petrol, emissions, everything. And it was just it was just such a wonderful, succinct way of explaining how the blockchain can be used to help governments. And the Dubai, well, Dubai is, is really at the forefront of that. Now, getting away from Dubai, Getting away from all that, okay? We currently have uh, a market that is a bit depressed, okay? We, we know that uh, this this market has come off. Now, I talk to a lot of guests that are a lot smarter than me in this space uh, that are building things, and they talk about the fact that the, the coming off of the market has been not too bad. Most of these guests were saying that during that consolidation between 6,100 and 6,800 when they could just build and there was not much going on. Now we have seen the market come off quite heavily. Piers, do you think that this is a good or bad thing for the space right now? Um, I think it's a good thing for the space right now. I think the, 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 there was a lot of um, very easy, non-discerning uh, capital, um, which is great for like sort of pushing the industry forwards and like getting people to experiment and give ideas. But it also um, does mean that you end up getting a lot of these um, projects that are maybe not so well thought through, not so well, not so well considered. I think we've gone too far the other way now. I think the market is is severely constrained, and projects that some projects that really should be getting funded are not getting funded in the same way that they. They they um, should have been like sort of a year ago, but um, ultimately I think that this this me this is making people be more discerning, make, make ask harder questions, look harder at technology, look harder at teams, look harder at business models, which is uh, very important 
as a as a as a counterpoint to to sort of enthusiasm to create debate and actually build better products build better business models like the the often the best ideas only come out of a result of being like sort of thoroughly looked at and and argued through and i think that that's what's happening in the market now um so i think that i think that as a result of this what i'm seeing in the industry is actually a a, a rapid professionalization of the way that people are approaching things, the way that the people are approaching, approach, um, putting out their uh, companies, p- putting out their business models, writing their white papers, like sort of backing things up, getting things peer reviewed. I, I think that's, I think that's all for the good because it means that you have to think harder, deeper, further, and actually start to, to start to innovate beyond what was easy. Um, and I, and I, that's really exciting to see. Look, I, I think you've just said that in a wonderful way. I, I totally agree with you there. But, I mean, my, my point of view is exactly the same as you reflected, exactly the same. My sort of story of that is that um, you know, back through end of December, early January, we saw a a lot of essentially projects that were – I mean, the way I describe it is this, right? It's like a uni student or a school kid. They've got, a, they've got a, uh, an assignment to do. Now, the assignment was you've got to have a cool website – cool little video, some sort of reasoning behind why this will be on the blockchain and why they should do it, and a big, long English part, which is the white paper. And if you had a few spelling mistakes, people didn't really care because a lot of people had made a lot of money very quickly and they were willing to just throw it at things because they were they were feeling great and they were the new wave of investors. Now, a lot of people that were doing that and doing so well throughout that period, they hadn't actually invested in the stock market or they hadn't been through um, certain things that, more experienced and seasoned people had. They hadn't understood, they didn't understand that, you know, they, this is different this time. No, it's never different this time. It's, it's literally never, ever, ever, ever different. It's always the same. And, and a lot of people are, are in, are, they're in a world of hurt right now. And, and I think that's a really terrible thing, um, but it's a wonderful lesson to learn. The good thing is, is that this space is still so young. And I truly believe that there's a lot of growth still to come. And for those that um, wanted to just buy something, hodl and watch it go nuts and on paper be a millionaire or whatever, then that's, that's fine. That, that, all good. But the thing is, unless you release the profits, unless you understand how to exit and move around and manage your portfolio, manage your risk, take out your your, your, your initial investment and some, make sure you're safe, make sure you're comfortable, make sure you're happy, then a lot of people have been not like that. They think it's going to keep going up forever. And I just I feel like this most recent drop, um, not just this year, this year it's made the space mature a lot but this most recent drop as well has for those that entered in 2017 that sort of saw the from around the thousand dollar mark and just sort of not do a lot then go up the people that were in in the early days have seen this before they've seen it before I'm, I'm a trader so i go back through history i'm here for the volatility now i'm trading short it's fine i'm also an investor so I hold the projects that i believe in right but i understand that with Upside volatility also comes downside volatility. I'm pretty tired of hearing people that say these are not normal market conditions. No, they're not because this is crypto. The upside is insane. The downside is insane. That's just the way this market is. I think there's a huge amount of um, maturity coming to the space. You look at the project, or the, sorry, the, the massive companies that are in the space now, and you look at the, the, the sort of different quality of projects to raise at the moment. They have had to move away from a we just put something together on the website and raise and actually go a VC-ish model, right? Yeah. Which means you've got to actually have a reason to be doing your 
idea, your business. There's got to yeah. be a reason. And I think today's really, really great. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it needs to happen to, to build, to bring the credibility into the space. Yeah. So it's, it's tough at the moment. It is tough at the moment, but that's what we've got to go through. It's, it's a very young emerging market. I mean, what do, what do you think we need to essentially come out of this? You might not have an answer to that, but if you do, I'm interested to hear it. Um, I think that, uh, we need to see more, um, real world use cases, um, out of the back of this. Like we've gone through, we've sort of gone through the, the period of going, oh, this is really cool technology and isn't the promise of everything that can do sort of incredibly exciting. Um, but to, to, to maintain any kind of, uh, intellectual curiosity from, from the sort of the mass market beyond people who, you know, beyond the people who care about the technology fundamentally, because there's some really cool problems in there and some really cool mathematics in there. Um, is, is what can, what, like, what does this bring to me? What can I do with it? Um, and like CryptoKitty, I think there's a reason that CryptoKitties was one of the most popular things in the crypto space because it, it captured the imagination in a way that was graspable, that was like sort of real and that, that suddenly this all made a lot more sense. And so we need to see more of those come into the market. And I think the way that comes, as you quite rightly said, is this, is this, you know, you're having now to think harder about what it is that you're building. And I think that this period is going to help forge in 2019 some of the first mass market things that we're going to see but fundamentally that really requires still um a scalable platform to do it on like crypto kitties itself stopped being able to function because the blockchain architecture that it was built on wasn't scalable enough crypto kitties broke ethereum and so we've got this we're like we, we're going to see this like sort of combination of technology forging forwards and then mass adoption forging forwards because the technology's got better um and you know that's fundamentally what radix was built for was to build this better platform so that businesses that that, that start to reach that mass adoption don't get fundamentally tripped up by what they've built on top of Mate, you've uh, kind of wrapped it up beautifully well there, Piers. I appreciate that. I've had a great conversation with you. We've covered a number of different topics. I really am happy that I had you on the show. Uh, we've opened up more than just Radix. Uh, I really appreciate good conversations on this program. Mate, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Would you please let us know where we can find out more information about yourself and the project? Absolutely. Thank you very much for having me, Craig. Um, so the the website is www radix that's r-a-d-i-x d-l-t that stands for distributed ledger technology dlt.com that's www.radixdlt.com on there you can find uh, our white paper you can also find our testnet you can download our wallets and try sending messages and transactions across the testnet you can start playing with some of the technology if you're a developer there's apis that you can start building on you can start actually trying to build things on the radix platform itself we're going to be going live um 
sometime next year. Um, so if you want to stay up to date with that, then you can sign up to our mailing list. You can join our community. You can get involved with our forums. You can get on our uh, on our Telegram channel or in our Discord. There's lots of ways you can get involved. Um, and obviously, you know, please please reach out with any ideas or anything that you that, that has uh, that has inspired you from t- Radix and that side. We'd love to hear from you. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. You know where to find this gentleman and his team trying to do some amazing things in the space. I wish you all the best of luck, Piers. I really do. I hope that you achieve what you set yourself. It's a big task. It's a big goal. But I'm sure that with the right timing, you've been patient for six years. Patience often rewards people if they do the right thing. So well done. I'm absolutely happy to have you on the show. Piers, right. Sorry, Piers Ridyard. CEO of Radix. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you so much for your time. Bye for now. The Trader Cobb Crypto Podcast is hosted by Craig Cobb. All Trader Cobb courses, products, and tools can be found at tradercobb.com because experience matters.